Okay, I'm, I'm actually going to put uh, the message on pause for just a minute. We're going to jump into that story in just a minute, but I want to talk church for just a few uh, minutes before we get in there. Uh, a, la- a month ago, I attended a webinar by Tom Rainer, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with Tom Rainer. He's a really popular author uh, in the Christian world. He was president of Lifeway Research. He's recently left that post and has started a new group called Church Answers, and uh, Tom and I are really big buds. Like, he, he emails me two or three times a week, and you know, I call him Tom. He calls me dear subscriber. Uh, we're really tight with one another. And he invited me to a webinar with another, you know, thousand or so of the guys he's tight with. And uh, it was about how the church is going to look different post-COVID. And so it was like seven ways the church is going to look different post-COVID. And he was talking about two years from now. Because we're nowhere near post-COVID. I mean, we're right in the middle of COVID. So he was talking about like two years from now, after hopefully this is all subsided in some sense, what is church going to look like? And there were two things he said that really jumped out at me, and and they rang true uh, with me. One of them was that attendance will not return to pre-COVID levels. In-person attendance is what he's talking about. It won't return to to pre-COVID levels. He estimates that most churches would be down about 20%. Uh, two years from now. And there's all kind of reasons for that. Uh, all, all churches are offering online services right now, so there's a ton of online options out there. Uh, some people prefer online over in-person. Some people have to be online right now, but even once you don't have to be online, like they're like, we actually like this. This is a better format for us than this coming to in-person services. Um, it's been March since we've been doing this, so some people just kind of get out of the habit of it. And so even if they do come back to in-person services, they may attend less frequently than before, which it was already trending in that direction nationwide. And uh, Rainer said, like, your nominal members, like folks that are just kind of on the fringe, they're just, you know, they've just been hanging around a little bit, but just barely hanging on. Like he said, they're gone. Like, it's, it's, you're going to struggle to get your most committed members back to in-person services. So uh, the people that were kind of nominally committed Probably not going to be around. Number two was that there's going to be a lot of turnover in the church. And what he means by that is that the 80% who do come back is going to be a different 80%. In other words, you're going to lose some members and you're going to gain some members. And that happens anyway in the life cycle of a church, usually around 10% in the life cycle of a church. You usually lose about 10% of your members and gain about 10% new members. He says with COVID, it's going to be accelerated. You're going to lose a lot more than that and you're going to gain a lot more than that. And uh, it means that when people do come back to in-person services, those of you still online that haven't been here since March, when you come back, you're probably going to be surprised because it's going to be a different group of people. It's not going to look like the exact same group of people that it was when you left because we've got new members coming in. We've had some old members have chosen to go other places. And, and we're already seeing that. Like we already, like when you come back, you're going to be conversations about like, now where's so-and-so? I hadn't seen so-and-so in a while. Where's, you know, where, are they going to this church anymore? Or what's going on with this? Or who's in my seat? You know, who, I, I left and my seat was, you know, who took my seat while, while COVID was going on? And uh, that's because we got new people coming into the church. Every Sunday, since we started back in May, just about every Sunday we've had first-time guests with us uh, since starting back. We've got three families that are getting ready to place membership that have already committed to membership. We just hadn't announced them yet. We've got two other families that are considering it. So that, and all five of those families have come to us 
after COVID. I've got two baptisms scheduled, one later this month, and I think one at the very beginning of next month. And uh, they came to us after COVID. One of them is a young man that watches online, never been to this church in person. He's just been watching online every Sunday since COVID. And he texted me through, or messaged me through Instagram and said, hey, I'm, I'm ready to be baptized. And so that's, you know, that's kind of what you can expect to happen. The other thing that I think is interesting about this season of ministry is uh, it's hard to know who's who uh, and where everybody is because so many of us are still online. We've got a great crowd today. I mean, it's, it's nice to see everybody out here, and we're gonna, we're, we'll keep pushing these chairs back best we can and try to where everybody can spread out the best that they can. But uh, right before I got up here, I checked online, and there's 120 households watching online. So that's, I don't know how many people that is. It's at least 120, but it's probably more than that. That's why we say households. And so there's a lot of folks online, and we don't know who you are. I mean, we know some of who you are. If you comment, we know who you are. But uh, unless you comment, we don't know who's watching online. And so it's kind of hard to keep up with. So I want to go, go ahead and, where's the camera? Go ahead and flood the comments. Say hello. Ebony needs to, needs to get some work out in today. So, so go ahead and flood the comments. Tell her hello because that's the only way that you're watching. We do have an online pastor that's committed to Facebook and YouTube, and that's, that's what Ebony does. She's our discipleship minister, and she's there to meet you and greet you and welcome you to online church. So it's just this weird season of ministry. And I, I, our highest attendance post-COVID was the week of fall break. Now, we may break it today, but the week of fall break. And that's so odd. In the 15 years I've been here, fall break's the lowest attendance. So everything's just upside down in our world right now. And it's why I keep preaching, just be patient and stay flexible and stay positive. And, um, you know, it, it's temporary. Like, this is a temporary thing. It, it's longer than we thought it was going to be, but it's still temporary. It's still just for a season. And uh, I'm glad Ebony said what she said before I got up here about this series because I think this series is the perfect series for us to be in during all of this chaos. I, we didn't plan it this way. We put this on the schedule back in January. And in, think, think back to January of this year. None of us had any idea this was coming in January. We had no clue. But we put this on the schedule and like had no idea that this was going to be the perfect series for us to be in during the midst of all this chaos. The Holy Spirit had an idea, and then maybe that's why it ended up on the schedule the way it did. But, um, you know, in times of uncertainty, people look for certainty. And in times of instability, people look for stability. In times of, of worry and fear, people look for hope, and people look for comfort. And as, as Christians, we find that comfort, and we find that hope, and we find that certainty and that stability from the Word of God. So we've spent the entire second half of this year reading through God's Word together. And if you're just now joining, we just finished part one. We finished the Old Testament. Today is the kickoff of the New Testament, and it is the absolute perfect time to join us for part two of the New Testament. If you started reading the Old Testament and kind of gave up on it, I want to encourage you to re-engage for the New Testament because this is only going to be six weeks. In six weeks, we'll have read through the story of the New Testament. You won't read all 27 books of the New Testament, but you'll get the story of the Gospels, the story of the early church, and the, and the story of, well, the story of end time. We'll get to that at the, the last week of this series. So if, if, if you just started joining us within the last couple of weeks, I want to encourage you to be a part of this. Uh, if you've never read the New Testament before, please consider joining us for this. It is possible. And I'm going to have alternative readings, not just the storybook we've been using, but you can, you can just read some t passages out of the Gospels and Acts and those kind of things, and you can follow along with this. And if you've read it all before, read it again. 
like if you, I've read the New Testament multiple times before in my life. Read it again because life circumstances change, life experiences change, maturity levels change. See what God has to say to you through his word. That's the challenge that, I, that I'm giving you. We're going to go through the New Testament together. The purpose of the New Testament is really simple. The purpose of the New Testament is to introduce us to Christ. It's to introduce us to the life and teachings of Christ, to the kingdom that he came to establish, and to the hope that we have through his death, burial, and resurrection. The New Testament picks up where the Old Testament left off. So the Old Testament left off by promising us that there's a Messiah coming. There's a Savior coming. God is going to rescue and redeem his people. He will not leave them in exile forever. He will rescue and redeem. And the New Testament introduces us to who that Messiah is. And the New Testament begins with four books that we call Gospels. And Gospel is a word that just means good news. And so it's the good news according to whoever wrote the book. So the good news according to Matthew, the good news according to Mark, the good news according to Luke, and the good news according to John. And these are all disciples of Jesus. These are early followers of Jesus. And they were all written within a generation of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection. So these are all very early accounts of Jesus' life, and they're meant to introduce us to the person of Jesus. And if you go to the beginning, this is what I'd, I, I was going to tell the birth story, but like Christmas is what? Eight weeks away? Nine weeks away? I don't know. It's really, really close. And i got to tell the birth story then. So we're going to do Advent again this year. So we're going to tell the birth story then. And the birth story is probably one of the most well-known stories out of the Gospels. So I went before the birth story. Like, how did the Gospels begin? Because if you look at the way each one of the Gospels began, I think it reveals something of the character of the, the, like, these are different authors and they're writing to different audiences, but they're all writing for the same purpose. And I thought it was interesting just to look at the way these different Gospels begin. The one that was in the video was John. And John is actually the one that's in the storybook. It's John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Now, all of the first chapter of John is a poem. Okay, so, the, so John, like, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Now that's a powerful verse. But if this is the first time, you know, if that's the first gospel you ever pick up. And somebody said, and a lot of people say, if you've never read the New Testament, a lot of people say, start with John. Read John. So if that's your opening lines and you read John your first thought is probably, what in the world is he talking about? Like, I mean, it's, he is so cryptic in these opening lines right here. It's, it's poetic, it's beautiful, it's a beautiful introduction, but what is the word? What is he talking about? Or who is the word? Because he refers to the word as a person, and is, is he with God, or is he actually God? Because those seem to be two different things, or are they the same thing? Is the, is the word with God or actually God or and how is he the light of all mankind and how does the light shine in the darkness and the darkness is not overcome it well John gives some clues a little bit later verse 14 John says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and that's John's way of introducing the birth story that's pretty much John's version of the birth story we're familiar with the shepherds and the wise men and all that kind of stuff that's Matthew Luke John just says the word God became flesh and dwelt among us. And he's introducing us to Jesus. He says it right there the very rest of the sentence. The next sentence. We've seen his glory. The glory of God. The glory of the one and only son. Who came from the father. Full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses. And grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
I love that introduction, knowing where we've come from, where we've just read through the Old Testament. And it's like the law, Moses gave the law, and we read about all that. And now grace and truth is going to come through Jesus Christ. So that's the way John introduces the story to us. Matthew is a little shorter, and uh, not necessarily to the point, because he includes a long list of names, 14 generations from what? Abraham down to David, and then 14 generations from David down uh, to exile. But Matthew just begins his gospel with, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It's, it's a little more heady than, than John. I mean, it's, he's, I, I, I call Matthew the Bible nerd of the group because he includes a lot of Old Testament scriptures and references and, and prophecies because Matthew has a specific goal in mind. He's writing to a Jewish audience, and he wants to convince them that Jesus is the one you've been reading about in the Old Testament. They didn't call it the Old Testament. They called it the Hebrew Scriptures or the Scriptures or the Law and the Prophets. But Jesus is the one you've read about in the Law and the Prophets. He is the one that was promised to David when David was promised that there would be a king from your line who would be the Messiah. Jesus is the one he was talking about, and he is the fulfillment of the covenant that God made with Abraham. And then he lists this genealogy in order to show us that. And then Matthew gets in the birth story. Mark is shortened to the point. Mark just says the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And he jumps right into the story. Because Mark just wants you to know, it's good news, Jesus is the Messiah, he's the Son of God, let me tell you about his life. And Mark's the shortest gospel, and he, he, didn't, even, like, he didn't even have time to tell you the birth story. Like, he, just got, he jumps straight into the ministry of Jesus and, and just starts telling the story. And uh, Mark is, for a lot of folks, it just depends on your style. Some people love John, some people love Mark, some people love Matthew. Luke is my favorite. So of, of all the gospels, Luke's my favorite, and his introduction will tell you why. Because I look at these introductions, and I'm like, you know, John's just too, I don't know, touchy-feely, poetic kind of guy. You know, I just, I don't know, that, that's just not my style. And then Matthew, you know, he's got the Bible nerd tendencies there. And then Mark's just too pragmatic and to the point. Uh, I like Luke because Luke is a historian, and Luke has done his research. And so, I, and I, when I read, I read history. I bet uh, 80% of what I read, when I just read for fun, 80% of what I read is history. Because I just love reading history. And Luke is this historian. He's a doctor. But he wanted to investigate the claims that were being made about Jesus of Nazareth. And so he talked to eyewitnesses. He did what we would do. If you were a historian and you were researching claims that somebody had made about themselves, you would go talk to the eyewitnesses. You would try to research all the material there. And John explains this. He wrote his gospel to a guy named Theopolis. I took his name out uh, there just so we might put our place ourselves in the place of Theopolis here. But he says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully invested everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So, so Luke tells you right on the front, the reason I'm writing this is you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And I love that because we, we live in a day and age where people don't really embrace certainty anymore. Like, we, we, you know, this day and age with postmodernism and all these things, like, it, you know, we embrace, um, you know, lack of certainty and how can you really know and mystery and all that. And there is mystery in the scriptures, absolutely. But John, I mean, uh, Luke is telling us that, like, I want, you to, I want you to be able to trust in what you've been told. And I think that's especially powerful for us today. If you think about this area, most of us grew up in some kind of 
church in some capacity. Like some of us grew up going three times a week, four times a week, or five times a week. Like it, it, we went so many times a week, the lines started blurring. Like we, we didn't know if we were at church or home. I mean, we were there all the time. Some of us grew every week we were, we were in church. You know, our parents, grandparents, whoever were very faithful about bringing us. Some of us went just every now and then. Some of us, it was like Christmas and Easter. Um, that was the only time we showed up. But even if you never showed up in church, like you never were exposed to any kind of church or any kind of denomination, you still heard about Jesus. And so people taught you things about Jesus. People taught me things about Jesus. And as an adult, you have to decide, do I believe the things that I've been taught? Do I believe the things I've been told? My parents told me who they thought Jesus was. Do I believe that? My grandmother told me who they thought, you know, do I believe that? And so the way you come to those conclusions is read the story for yourself. I mean, how can you be a follower of Jesus and not read a story? Read the story for yourself and determine for yourself whether or not these things are true. We, our faith is not based on what our parents teach us. Our faith is not based on what our grandparents teach us. It's not based on what a pastor tells us or what a preacher tells us or a, pri- a priest tells us or an elder tells us. I mean, that is the beginning of faith, absolutely. I'm telling my kids what I believe. And I'm telling my kids about Jesus the Messiah and Jesus is the Son of God and He's our Savior and He came to die for our sins. But as they get old enough, they're going to have to make a decision for themselves as to whether or not they believe that to be true. And the the basis of that belief is going to be the eyewitnesses' accounts and and the Word, the Word of God that's revealed in the Bible. And so I'm telling you on the front end, this is why we're doing this series And my hope, at the end of six weeks, after you've read through the New Testament, my hope is you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. I hope that it confirms for you. Now, it's going to raise questions. promise it'll raise questions. That's good. If it's raising questions, that's good. You're engaging with the text. But I hope at the end you can come to some conclusions and say, you know, I do believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus is who he says he is is or was you know and jesus has done the things that he said he has done and and we have these eyewitnesses account and i believe they're reliable and they're trustworthy john actually reveals this at the end of his gospel and i love this this passage i'm going to show you next this is john chapter 20 and uh john puts this i think at a very interesting place in his gospel he doesn't really reveal why he's writing until the very end And at the end of his book, he kind of explains to his readers, here's why I've written these things down for you. But he puts it right after Thomas doubted whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. So Thomas is one of the disciples. He wasn't at the party when Jesus showed back up. And so Jesus rises from the dead, and he appears to all the disciples, except Thomas is not there. And Thomas says, you know, they come back and tell Thomas, hey, you won't believe it. Jesus rose from the dead, just like he said he was going to do. And Thomas says, I will not believe it. Until I see it. i I, I got to touch the holes in his hands before I'm going to believe that that happened. And the story, Jesus appears to him. And then Thomas, once he sees the risen Jesus, he, he believes. And he says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus tells him, right here, John chapter 20, verse 29. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And then John reveals why he wrote. The very next verse, look at this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's my agenda 
the next six weeks. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm telling you, it's not a hidden agenda. I'm going ahead and revealing it at the front end. My agenda is that if you will engage with this study, engage with this journey of reading through the New Testament together, my hope is that at the end of this journey, you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. If you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord, if you've never surrendered to him through baptism, it's my hope that you would come to that conclusion at the end of this study. That I, you know, Just like the, early, the earliest converts to Christianity read these stories, they heard these stories of Jesus, they listened to the teachings of Jesus, and they became convinced that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, and they surrendered their lives to him. We'll read about all of that in the book of Acts. One of his strongest opponents, and the guy who ended up writing two-thirds of the New Testament, the guy that was totally against Jesus, did not believe that at all. He became convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, and he found hope in the life of Jesus. So that's, that's my agenda for you, is I hope that you come to that conclusion. If you're watching online, and uh, I, I want to really challenge you to stick with us for six weeks, to be here. We're 9, 30, and 11. We're here every Sunday, or you can even watch it on recording if you miss a Sunday morning. But just, just be here and be a part of this journey. If you're already a believer, and most of you are, that's why you're here this morning, because you're already a believer. If you're already a believer, my hope is that this will only strengthen your faith and strengthen your resolve and give you more certainty of the things that you have been taught so that we can live bold lives. Now, what, how did I begin this message? I began this message by talking about, oh, you know, attendance is going to be down. There's going to be a lot of turnover. You know, people that are nominally committed are not coming back. What does it say for us as the church today? Like, how does the church lead into post-COVID? How do, how do, we, how do we live out our faith in this world, in a world where everything is chaotic and everything is unstable and people are scared and people are worried and people are nervous, we have a source of hope that we have to point to. So how do we point to that in our lives? How do we be the people of calm and reason in a world that's absolutely going mad? How do we be the voice of justice in a world that's going crazy? How do we be the voice of, of mercy and of love? We do it by committing ourselves wholly and completely to the Messiah who taught those things to us, the Messiah who sets the ultimate example for us. So as we get in this journey, six weeks, the, the half of it is going to be in the Gospels. So we'll spend the first half talking about Jesus, and then we're going to go into Acts, and we'll get to Revelation at the end, which is going to be interesting. So uh, here's, here's your homework. I want to go ahead and throw your homework on the screen. Yes, we've got homework during this series. Don't let that word scare you. Um, if you are using the storybook, it's chapters 22, 23. Most of our readings in the New Testament are short, maybe two chapters. So chapter 22, 23. If you're listening to the audio, that's where you're going. If you don't have a copy of that book, read the first five chapters of Luke or the first four chapters of John, or both. Because what we're going to read about uh, this week is the birth of Jesus, the calling of the first disciples, and uh, the early ministry of Jesus. So, so that's where you're going to read that stuff. If you want to dig a little bit deeper... Go to thebibleproject.com or go to murrayhills.com and there's videos that will introduce you to these stories. They're very well done. The introduction to the New Testament is only eight minutes. Go watch that video. If you're not a reader, just watch the video. <laughs> watch the eight-minute synopsis of John or the eight-minute synopsis of Luke and you'll get the story uh, that way. And then the last way I'll tell you to engage is small groups. If, you're, if you want to be at an in-person gathering with some other Christians, email Tim at Murray Hills. We've got small groups that are meeting and discussing this. The easiest way, especially if you're online right now, Ebony's hosting a small group. Uh, 
online. It's on Thursdays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. So you got two options there. You can comment in the comment section, and she'll respond and send you the link, or she's probably already posted the link because she's always way ahead of me. Uh, there's probably already a link on Facebook and YouTube, or you can go to the Church Center app, and you can sign up that way. But that's a virtual Bible study. If you want, like, come to those Bible studies and ask questions. Just come and pretend, like, I've read this, and i got some questions. So that's a great opportunity to do that. And Ebony's somebody that I would trust to answer those questions. So, um, all right, what do I got next? We're done, except i got to introduce some people to you. And then we're going to close with a word of prayer.